This is Common Threads, an interfaith dialogue. I'm Fred Stella, President of the Interfaith Dialogue Association. Welcome to another edition of Common Threads. Every once in a while, we like to check in with the various religions that have a significant expression here in West Michigan and just find out what the issues are, what the challenges are, uh, what might be in the news that uh, we're reading about. Well, when that happens and I decide I want to talk to someone in the Jewish community, oftentimes we bring Len Robinson here to Common Threads. Len is very active in the Jewish community. He has ties to two congregations, Temple Emmanuel and Chabad House. He is also a former president of Temple Emmanuel, which is the Reform congregation in town. And he is the president of Jewish Theater here in Grand Rapids. And very, he is very, very active on our Interfaith Dialogue Association Speakers Bureau. And before I forget, I, I, I don't plug this enough, we do have a Speakers Bureau, and we get contacted from churches, from schools, from civic groups, people who are looking for qualified speakers on religions that they practice It's one thing to get a lecture from an academic on religions, and those are quite valid and valuable. But it's also quite special to be able to have someone who is a practitioner of a religion and is able to explain not only the history and the theology, but also what it means to their lives personally. And uh, as I mentioned, Len is uh, someone who is quite in demand And when you hear him today, if you haven't heard him before, you'll understand why. So, Len Robinson, welcome to Common Threads. Uh, Welcome again. I mean, thank you again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, real quick, Uh it's it's possible that some of the people who are listening today may have seen you in a recent uh, Jewish theater production. Let's talk about that. Okay. Yes. (laughs) I mean, it's not all that spiritual or religious in one sense, but then again, for some of us. The music that came out of the Brill Building yes. is a religious experience. Yes. Uh, the, the name of the play was Brill, and it is about the Brill Building. You know what, what was interesting to me is Brill Building is something that I don't remember when I didn't know about it. I mean, yes. I'm, I'm sure I didn't know about it when I was 10. Yes. But I knew about it as a teenager, easily. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised how many people don't know it. When when you were telling people, we're doing a play called Brill, it's about the Brill building in, in yes. New York, what kind of response were you getting? Okay. And then what's the Brill building? And yet, if it, almost all the songs you heard from the 1930s, it's being remodeled now, um, came out of the Brill building. Um, there were a group of writers that were hired in the late 50s, Carol King, uh, Bert Bacharach, Neil Sadaka, Neil Diamond, uh, coming from that went on to become singers in the '60s and the '70s and things like that. Um, and I tr- went, tried to do some research on it. At first, you had Tin Pan Alley, and that was down on 28th 
and um, Broadway in New York. And that's where you got Irving Berlin and things like that, really before the 30s. It's what was really happening was uh, it tells our wonderful musical heritage and also our our discrimination heritage is um, there was vibrant music coming out of the African-American community that didn't translate to whites. There was restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jews couldn't live in many of the same, in many restricted areas. So Jews and uh, African-Americans lived together on the Lower East Side and in Harlem. Uh, East Harlem would be, was Jewish. West Harlem was, uh, was African-American. Um, you also had immigrants coming in that knew how to play instruments. If you talk to any Jewish household, we all had to learn some sort of instrument. It was part of the thing. Is you got kicked out of one country, you at least could get a job in a foreign land being a musician. Uh, so here comes all these musicians coming in with this new kind of music, which was kind of a mixture of some Eastern European, African American beats and things like that, that started really first in Tin Pan Alley and then ended up... Um, the Brill Building opened in 1931, and that was some of the the hits that were big band sound. And sure. then in the 1950s, some of this African-American music coming through, and you started finding more and more beats and things, and halfway rock coming from some of the musicians that I talked about. But many of the, many of the uh, artists, like Elvis Presley and other ones, had an office in the Brill Building so that if they needed a song, there were all these songwriters that would write So what we, write the song. So that there's a new book coming out, and I wish I remember what it was because I think I'm going to be reading it when I now have time, is that although we are only about 2% of the population, the popular songbook is 80% Jewish. And and yet we can't, we can't end up saying we were almost the conduit of hearing some of the black sounds and being white enough to get to, into the buildings, but not white enough to live sure. uh, where we were going to live. Actually, and that's the American music system. Actually, you know, um, outside of, say, sports, and I'm trying to think of anything else, you're 2% of the population, and you're always 80% of, <laughs> of, of, of the, the cream of the crop. It's our mothers. Huh? <laughs> it's <Yeah>. our mothers. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I remember one time I was giving a talk on interfaith at Caledonia High School. They asked me to come in, and I gave a a very general view of what interfaith is, because it's a pretty white Mm -hmm. community Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and a Christian community. Right. And I wanted to explain the value of interfaith dialogue of studying world religions, mm-hmm. etc. And then I took questions. And one one young man raised his hand, and I, I kid you not, I'm not paraphrasing. This was his question. Mm-hmm. What's up with the Jews? <laughs> <laughs> I wondered that myself. <laughs> <What's up? laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's not like, tell us about Judaism. But what's up with the Jews? You know, how are they doing these days? <laughs> they got plans on Saturday. <laughs> so, so uh, and that is one thing that, that I said, that here in America, they make up about 2% of the population, but in so many different fields, 
you find that the the top echelon mm. of those people involved in those fields tend to be Jewish. And, I think 35 percent, according to uh, Tyson O'Neill or whatever, when I went to his lecture, that that, that astrophysicist. Um, oh, 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 yeah. yes, Neil, Neil, yeah. yeah. Is it what thirty thirty five right about a third of the Nobel Prize winners? So we don't do too badly, but uh, no, no, not not, not too badly at all. Unfortunately, there's also um, backlash, and we find that really happening in Europe with some of the anti-Semitism that's really cropping up in France and Belgium and some of the European countries. Yeah, yeah. Where where does that come from today? I mean, you you don't have. An Adolf Hitler, who uh, I don't I don't know of any particular person who right. you could say would be the, the the new Hitler, if you will. Yeah, uh, there is a significant amount of prosperity in the countries that you're talking about. We don't have the hyper inflation of Heimat Germany. Right. So any any there seems to be a, a, there seems to be a backlash throughout the country. Even I mean, you look at all the struggle between the police shootings, what's justice, what isn't. I think we're really in a, I think when you're in a time period when there's um, struggle, there's struggle with um, social economic. Um, in Europe, a lot of it relates to to Israel, um, which we already had a topic about. Um, I don't know. But I hate to see also about all this hatred coming up, right. whether it's against the Muslim community or a Jewish community or, you know, the Sikhs are getting it too. Uh, oh, sure they are. Uh, because why, you know, why are they wearing that on their head or whatever? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sikhs have been uh, the the uh, victims of violence uh, by the hand of people who don't even know what a Sikh what is. What a Sikh is. It's yeah. astounding. It really is. Exactly. Uh, that is that is true. It, it just occurred to me that some of what you're seeing in Europe is a response to the Palestinian. So this here's the crazy part of it. This Don't is, get me in that subject. No, 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 no. not <laughs> okay. the subject itself. Okay, yeah. But isn't it interesting that you have a significant amount of of anti-Islamic backlash in Europe, right? At the same time, anti-Semitic exactly. because. Issues. Where, where, that, that, oh yeah, go ahead. Okay, but but it the, for those people who are sympathetic to the Palestinian issue, mm-hmm. all right, then then we can if if they believe that the Palestinians are a hundred percent right, right, and and Israelis are a hundred percent wrong, then I can understand why they would take the route that they've taken. Mm-hmm. But you you also have these people who are they don't even care about israel palestine they're just islamophobic yes. and i and i can certainly understand they live they live with a kind of fear that we don't understand right as as do as do israelis yeah it's when when you start looking at the other as other and that famous quote which, which i won't quote very good but first they came for the jews then they came for the communists then they came for it and there was nobody left left to to speak for me, I think it's that human nature. Uh, I'll quote my favorite Star Trek episode since I'm a. Are Star Trekies nerds? Or are they? I don't geeks. I can't remember which one this is. Um, do you know when they came upon a civilization and one people had the 
they were white on one side and, and black on the other side, yes. and the other ones were white on this other side and black on the other side, and they hated each other because of, of that. And I thought, right, right. The uh, gospel according to Star Trek. That's, th- yeah. there, there certainly is. I believe somebody actually did write a book about the spirituality of Star Trek. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know the, the title, but I know that that has happened. Uh, here in West Michigan, mm-hmm. what is your bird's eye view of, first of all, interfaith relations with Jews and everybody? You can take them one at a time or all. The, the Muslims, the, the, the Christians, uh, yeah. the, the Dharmic faiths. In, in West Michigan, the Grand Rapids area, I, I know there are some anti-Semitic pockets throughout the state, you know, uh, white supremacists or whatever. Um, Grand Rapids has been um, pretty tolerant, you know, in a, in, a, in a weird sort of way. I can't say, I mean, there are places, like if you went into East Grand Rapids, you'd look and you say in the past there were... Um, where you couldn't sell t- to it your house to a Jew, you know. Really? Yeah. They're they're in one of the, of my friends showed me her her deed from the like the nineteen thirties twenties whatever. Uh, there's a a woman that is over a hundred years old. So this is a while back. She graduated from U of M. Couldn't get a teaching job because of being Jewish, you know, in Grand Rapids. Uh, but it's not, I think it's more um, interfaith when I'm talking to the people, they have learned what a, what Judaism is through their Christian Sunday school class. And I always say, you've broken the commandment of thou shalt not lie whenever you try to explain another person's religion. And that's the reason... I believe in interfaith things is that you're seeing it through the other person's eyes. The other thing that uh, I'm really glad that we also are emphasizing is it's okay to be different. Do you know, every so often you get like, well, you and I believe just exactly life. No, we don't. And it's okay. Um, right. Is that I don't believe in original sin, but do you know, uh, so a lot of things like that. I I always get, why don't you believe in Jesus and things like that? But where I really feel isn't, is in how is assimilation. Is that we came over as immigrants a little bit over 100 years ago. There was restricted areas. We ended up being a community because of those restrictions. We ended up living together and now what do you do when you suddenly have somebody who's was raised Jewish and somebody who's raised Christian? How do you, how do you balance some of those values? You can sit there while we can celebrate all the holidays. You're talking about people in a relationship getting married. In a relationship getting married. And and, and before you go any Uh further, let me just remind people that uh, you're listening to WGVU. I'm Fred Stella. The program is Common Threads, and Len Robinson is my guest. Okay, go for it. So we're talking about a, a couple, one and, and, Jew, and one Christian. Yeah, and there's and you sit there going, what are the value systems? Do you know? What will the grandparents say if if there isn't a bris, there isn't a circumcision? What will other sets of grandparents say? Oh my gosh, they haven't been baptized. They could, my grandchildren could, I don't know, Christianity very well, like go to hell or whatever it is that they 
they, they, they're saying. So um, there's those struggles. There's struggles, for example, um, you and I who were talking, um, I think yesterday or so, how do we, how do we pay for our, our edifices? Um, is that in the Christian tradition, you, you pass this plate around, which seems so astounding. Here you're praying, and then suddenly you pass this plate around, you pop some money in, and then it goes in front of the altar, and everybody prays over it. We don't have, we don't carry money on the Sabbath, and um, it's not a mixture. So we had dues. So here's the, here's your dues for this year, you know. Uh, and and those dues uh, are are ascertained how. Basically, it's. Uh, we look to see what our expenses were and divided and number the number of families and then say, here's what your share is. Um, and some people who God is blessed will give more and other people will call and say, but I can't afford that amount. Uh, but we've had to, we're in the process, even at Temple Emmanuel, trying to see how do we change that? Because, you know, suddenly you're used to it and your Christian wife or husband said, what do you mean we pay dues to go to a temple? Um, and we have high holiday tickets. Um, because, you know, if you've paid your dues and you're up to, then you can come to the high holidays because there are people who only come once a year and we have to have these buildings for the once a year people. Uh, how do you do that in a world that is different now? And that, and that somebody in your family has been raised so differently. So it's having to, it's, it's that struggle of how do you, how do you blend cultures together? Um, and, and chances are you're not going to start using the Christian paradigm, right? No, because yeah, you goes, can't do, we, we won't do that, but we're, we, we have to find another paradigm. We're, yes. We're trying we're trying where the people will say, what is it that I can afford? And then we'll add it up and see whether it adds up to, to pay the bills. Um, so we're trying that paradigm. Um, and we have to try different paradigms. The other thing I think really happens living in an assimilated world is um, and not even just assimilation. Uh, communication. It used to be, if you were Catholic, you always went to a Catholic church. If you were Reformed, you went to the Reformed church. Yes. You know, you did this. Now you can look at different religions. It's on the internet. Uh, you find what's authentic to you in an almost smorgasbord type of way. How do you develop a community that way? And how do we, how do we, as some of the major religions, we're finding more and more of our young people going none of the above or all of the above or it doesn't matter to me. And how do we, how do we um, make our values, I think more so than our religion, you know, hey, some of the religion are things that are traditions. But, but sometimes we get that confused with the traditions and confused with the values. Yes. I, you know, we always, and the, the Religious Services Committee about 25 years ago, um, Shirley Lewis and I had, in, had started bringing in new songs. And they go, no, it should be the traditional ones. And then you have a now, uh, 25 years later, and the traditional ones were the ones that we brought in 25 <laughs> years ago. You know, and it's like, I thought 
there's two main ones. Shema Israel, you know, Adonai Elohim, Adashem Heinu. And I found out it's a Viennese waltz. It's what? It's a Viennese waltz. That, oh, is it really? The sound. <laughs> and there's there's one that concludes the thing, the Elenu, by Yom Hahu, by Yom Hahu, Echad. And that day we shall be one, and your name shall be one, and all this stuff. It's a German drinking song. <laughs> uh, but it was tradition. How, we have to look to say, are we are we pulling away people based on traditions that we set up that we maybe only 20 years ago or or 50 years ago that isn't really the center of our faith and the essence of our faith sure sure and are we then discouraging some of our young people uh, you know the, it's interesting because so many people have uh, sat across from me as you are now uh, representatives of the various religions that are in West Michigan and, and around the world and they say the same thing everybody is concerned yeah. about the generation coming up the millennials and how can they attract them to stay right because you go into almost any house of worship and you're just going to see a lot of gray heads right and and so the Jews are no you're not in any uh, a special place you you're you're dealing with that dealing same with that too. According to the Pew study, we are the highest in, in people, in client satisfaction. <laughs> like, like 94% are saying, hey, I'm proud of I'm Jew. But, you know, we only have maybe 50% that actually go to services. Uh, uh, so it becomes something very, very different. Something Sure. That, and then it, it, uh-huh. you, you were talking about those people who only go once a year, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing that if they do go once a year, they keep up their dues. So yes. they're they're paying for the upkeep of the synagogue. Exactly. They're just not attending. Exactly. And while, yes, you like their money, you probably would like them to show up every now and then, other than yeah. on Yom Kippur or wherever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I can understand that. And, and, and certain religions, I think, allow for that more than, more than others. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, we don't have the huge requirement that you're supposed to go once a week. Right, you know, you go on the anniversary of one of your um, ancestors' death. Mm-hmm. You should go and say Kaddish. I mean, and it's nice to go all the time. I'm not saying don't go. go come, please. Um, but and, and often a lot of the holidays are really not synagogue based; they're home based. Mm. As is as is Shabbat itself. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's home based. Now, now. <laughs> In many cases, the men would go out and say prayers. The women would sit there and get ready for the meal. And then you have this wonderful, incredible meal on Friday night. And then uh, Shabbat would be a time that, hey, you can go to the shul um, if you're close enough to walk. Um, and and it's more of a de- day of just being and resting. And it's not thou shalt nots, thou shalt nots, but just dealing with um i i do shabbat not for any i don't think great religious purposes but because it helps clear my mind sure mm. and i know that uh you know the 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 more christian term sabbath mm. uh, you look at the way sabbath was 
uh, observed yeah. years ago, and now it's virtually just a day that you don't go to work. If you don't go to work, <laughs> you're you're observing Sabbath. Yeah, um, uh, and and I think there's a part of me that that is sad about not having the blue laws. Although it's it's you know was kind of hard for Jews as a minority because if you didn't work on the Sabbath, and and the stores were all closed on Sunday, when were you supposed to? be selling your wares or whatever. Um, but, you know, our biggest competition, I think, soccer. They now have <laughs> soccer on Sundays. Really? And, and there was one lady who was a friend of mine that uh, on, her, on Mother's Day, she had to go to three of her, her grandchildren's uh, soccer games. And I'm thinking, what kind of world are we living in? On Mother's Day, we schedule soccer games. Yeah, yeah. You you mentioned something else before, too, I, I was going to comment on, and that is living in segregated communities. Yeah. And we certainly know that there was uh, a thriving culture in the black community mm-hmm. when when that was the way it was. And I don't know any black person who would want to go back to those days, but... There certainly was something, and yeah. you know me, I'm, I'm of Italian-American mm-hmm. uh, parentage, and uh, I, I remember the stories yeah. of, uh, I'm from Detroit, as you know, and I remember a, a story of, uh, uh, the, the history, if you will, of the Italian communities in Detroit. Yeah. They, they weren't as segregated as the Jews, but they, yeah. they, they still stuck together. It was, yeah. it was potent. Yeah. It really was potent. If you got in trouble... Your mother already knew by the time you went home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and But you know something? I did grow up in a very diverse neighborhood. And and, and, I, and I love that diversity. Yeah. And yet with it comes how do, you know, how do we not be a melting pot? How can we be a stew? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we have to uh, draw to a close right now, Len, but I want to invite you back next week. We'll continue this conversation. Usually, at the end of a show, I, I uh, ask a guest to give us a website about their book or something. You don't have a book. No. Not, not yet. But uh, tell us. I know that uh, uh, Jewish Theater Grand Rapids yeah, is, it got something. The website is uh, jtgr.org. Um, we, are, we just finished The Brill, and then we also are, in January, the first part of January, uh, are doing Arita's Vow, which is about a Polish Catholic woman who was made, it's a tr- based on a true story, was made in a Nazi officer's house, and she hid Jews in the, in the basement. Wow. Uh, That's so going to be great, I'm sure. That would be great. And then I think it's in May or June, I should know, maybe end of May, uh, is Seniors of the Sahara, which has absolutely no social value. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just shtick. Yeah, it's an old arthritic genie that gets let out of the bottle at a senior's home. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's Golden Girls meet uh, I Dream a Genie. <laughs> well, Len, it's been great to have you. We'll great. look forward to our further conversations. This is Fred Stella. You're listening to Common Threads on WGVU. Please join us again next week. Common Threads is a production of WGVU in cooperation with the Interfaith Dialogue Association. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the station, its underwriters, or Grand Valley State University. In many cases, the participants on this program represent themselves and may not be designated spokespeople for the faiths they represent. 
Send questions and comments by email through our website, www.interfaithdialogueassociation.org. Thank you for listening and join us again next week for another edition of Common Threads. Hello, I'm Fred Stella, President of the Interfaith Dialogue Association. Welcome to another edition of Common Threads. Last week, we began our conversation with Len Robinson. This is Common Threads, an interfaith dialogue. Len is uh, someone who plays a significant role in both the Jewish community and in the interfaith community here in Grand Rapids. Uh, His resume includes the fact that he is the former president of uh, Temple Emmanuel. He is also a member of Chabad House, uh, an Orthodox community here in Grand Rapids. And he is the president of Jewish Theater Grand Rapids and also plays a very significant part in our Interfaith Dialogue Association Speakers Bureau. We send Len out to speak on virtually all things Jewish uh, upon request. Len, welcome back. Thank you. Last week we, uh, we talked about a few things. We talked about assimilation. We talked about uh, uh, just the issues of being a congregation. You know, and that could be a congregation of virtually any religion, and and we we all have different challenges. One that you brought up uh, last week is the fact, like synagogue attendance. Right, there is not a tremendous amount of synagogue attendance. Right. You have more members who who just pay their dues right. than you do. Oh, by the way, when you talk about paying dues. Do you use tithing at all? No. Among, um, in the Chabad, they do a little bit more in, in tithing mm-hmm. um, than than we do. Although you should have a certain portion of, of your check that goes toward charities. Yes. I know that, oh my gosh, about 15 years ago, United Way was going to have a, benefactors, donors dinner and they served it was either on Yom Kippur or Rosh Hashanah and they go, well how many could it possibly be of our big donors and it ended up being that they had to change the really the date So because because part of what it is, it's called sadaka. it's not charity yes. charity means love sadaka means righteousness this is what a righteous person the world wasn't made fair and balanced, that's our responsibility and so Therefore, you give money, not because you're some great person, but because this is how the world uh, works better. So usually you have money called a sadaka box that you pop I see, money I, into. I, I'm glad you're telling me that. I always thought sadaka meant 
uh, number 10 with a bullet in 1962. Yeah. <laughs> Neil Sadaka, that's where he got, that's where he got his name. <laughs> I, I figured that. <laughs> so anyway, back, back to the, what I was talking about in mm-hmm. terms just of just attendance yeah. is that since Judaism is such a home-based yeah. religion, uh, as opposed to synagogue-based, although mm-hmm. you, 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 have, you have services right. and all of that, but still. And there are some religions, particularly say Catholicism, Christian Orthodoxy, uh-huh. where it is just strongly stressed yeah. that you make it to service. And what's interesting about, about Catholicism I don't know this about orthodoxy, but I know in Catholicism, you could go to Mass six days a week, mm-hmm. Monday through Saturday. If you skip Sunday, that's still a no-no. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it is an observance of the Sabbath. Of the Sabbath. Okay. That's, that's what does it. You, you can certainly go all the other days, mm-hmm. but, but uh, that's, that's the one that, that is uh, of utmost importance. And so they they have a bit of a carrot and stick approach. I, some of my Catholic friends might might not approve of this uh, mm-hmm. terminology, um, but I'll deal with that later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, and, the, and the lines are heating up right now. There, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the but so many other religions, such as Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, uh, to some extent Islam, to mm-hmm. some extent. They just don't have that sort of, of pull. Yeah. And I'm wondering if there is any difference between, say, the Reform congregations and like Chabad. Uh, I, know that, I know that the Hasidic community in Grand Rapids is quite small. Yes. But do they have a really good showing on the Sabbath? No. They don't. No. Just, it, just as much as yeah. Temple Emanuel. Or, right. Or, Really? Yeah. Of course, the, the people that are, are Harari, the ones with, you know, that are really the faithful, not just, because there's a lot of people that go to Chabad, um, that's the Orthodox in town. Um, they, they would go all the time in morning and evening prayers and things like that. Um, but no, there's, there is, um, that same sort of, Thing. Maybe we should do more carrots and sticks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, for instance, uh, at the uh, Sikh Gudwara, you know, mm-hmm. the, the have you been to the Sikh Gudwara? No, I haven't. Oh, I've got to get you over yeah. there. Uh, uh, I've got some good friends in the Sikh community. They they refer to their house of worship as a Gudwara. And I, I know that because I've been to Havas Israel on on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. And it's a two and a half hour service, if right. I if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. And there is some sort of refreshment afterwards. Right. I wouldn't call it a full meal, but often sweets. Is that is we that... called it onegs, the 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 delight or the pleasantness of Sabbath. So we yeah, so we have a a little reception, an oneg yeah. afterward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. with a, with a shot of whiskey often. Of huh? course, yes, <laughs> it's part of enjoying the Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, at the Sikudwara. They meet on Sundays, mm-hmm. and I think they meet on. I don't think Sunday is a special Sabbath for right. them. I think it's just uh, makes sense. makes it easier in this time in this nation, probably. Exactly, and you know the Buddhists meet on Sunday. The Hindus often meet on a Sunday. lot of reform 
ages ago, I think until World War II, uh, we're meeting on Sunday because it was a lot easier too. And the reform were saying, fine, we'll meet on, on Sunday. So sure, sure. It's that immigrant experience. Yes, exactly. Anyway, I, uh, I, I bring up the Sikh community because they have what is called a langar, and it is incumbent upon a Sikh community to have a full meal after service, a full Indian meal. Oh, wow. Now that's where you're going to get the Jews. Yeah. Is to feed them. Feed them, yeah. yeah. Feed them Indian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, friend of, a friend of mine was in, was in Washington, D.C. Uh, he was with a Hindu advocacy organization. He says he was meeting with a senior staff member uh, of a Jewish uh, uh, congresswoman, mm-hmm. and this senior staff member was also Jewish. Mm-hmm. All right, and th- so they were talking about different policy issues and all of this. And and this one guy again, he's an Indian Hindu, mm-hmm. right? And he he says, our goal uh, as as an organization is to uh, uh, convince you to replace. Chinese restaurants with Indian restaurants is the place to go on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, everybody's now going to our Chinese restaurants. We go <laughs> and the theater. It was always a movie and a, and a, yeah. and Chinese on Christmas. So anyway, the um, uh, my my point is that there are there are certain poles, and I think a lot of Christians have also decided to to think more about things other than just the service itself yeah to to bring people in at temple at temple emmanuel um and it really i don't think as much to bring people in as to really develop community as we have wine and cheese for about a half an hour before our service where people are really coming in and and schmoozing with each other Mm. Um, and i think it's really added an extra closeness rather than just coming doing your stuff and and, and heading out yes and heading out Ab- absolutely yeah. and and i do know that christian orthodox communities uh are also ones to to have a meal yeah. as well yeah yeah and 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 the hindus um so one thing that is i'm, I'm not going to say it's unique to you but it might be, or it might be just rare, and that is that over the years you have affiliated yourself with both the most liberal congregation, which would mm-hmm. be Temple Emmanuel, and the most orthodox, which would be Chabad House. Mm-hmm. It's not rare in the Jewish community. It isn't. No. T- 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 tell you're, me you're, about you're that. You're Jewish. Um, so there's different people that might also have a membership at at both Temple Emmanuel and the conservative one, which is Ahavas. Mm-hmm. Um, because not really a denomination. It's you are, you're Jewish. You know, it's a different way of practicing your faith. At one time, reform, you would have hardly, hardly heard um, Hebrew at all. But now you hear, especially in the prayers, but those readings that aren't. Do you know the more traditional ones like like conservative or orthodox is going to be mostly in, in, in Hebrew. Um, the difference between with the conservative say that there are things can be changed based on um, modern modernity. So, you know, they you might find conservative people driving on the Sabbath. Um, although there's many conservative people that will still keep 
walking on the Sabbath. Um, Which would mean that you really have to make a significant effort to buy a home right. or rent a home near, near the synagogue. Exactly, exactly. Um, so no, it's not, it's not unusual at all. Uh, what, what is it about uh, aligning yourself yourself with both con- what do you what do you get from one that you might not get from the other and vice versa i really like the sense of community at temple i like i really honor the social action that they believe that an awful lot of what you're supposed to be doing is called takun alam and they interpret it as the it's a different interpretations based on on orthodoxy versus whatever which it means to to heal the world and the reform look at it as going and doing certain things. So you have seen reform people from the reform community really starting the hospice of, of Michigan. People, the the women's health center. The, do you know we have a huge um, thing like that? I, I and I and I really like what they're saying. Really looking at the essence of Judaism, but I also really love some of the. Traditionals. I love sometimes davening and wrapping myself in a in a talit, and uh, and at the same time, I also I think there probably be one yeah. or two people who don't know those terms. A talit is the prayer shawl. Yes, and davening is the it, movement. It's the movement prayer. and the prayer. You know, uh, I also honor um, Chabad because they really have helped the immigrant community. The the, the people who are down and out, a lot of the older people that are going around making sure they're fine for Sabbath. So it's their lives that, not their theology or the way they practice, but how they live their lives that I honor and make part of my life. And it's not to say that the Havas isn't there, but it's like, you know what, I can't, I can't be all places at all times. I understand. Uh, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Common Threads here on WGVU. I'm Fred Stella. Len Robinson is my guest. Len is very active in the Jewish community. He's the former president of Temple Emmanuel, the Reform congregation here in town. And we're talking about uh, not all things Jewish, but some things Jewish. I had a full head of hair when I started. No. <laughs> After a couple of years as a president, you know, no, you already knew me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you, you know, I, I got to tell you this. Uh, you know, I've been, I, I have a great relationship with the Jewish community. Uh-huh. I know right. so many people. I've been involved in Jewish theater. And I've gotten into conversations with people about Chabad House, mm-hmm. several people right. over the years. And it's fascinating in the Jewish community, fascinating when people talk about it because so often when they talk about Chabad and, and the leadership there, mm-hmm. they kvetch. Mm-hmm. Okay? They will, they will talk about how it is so not part of who they are. They don't... Mm-hmm. They, they don't uh, uh, get thrilled about you know ha- women wearing wigs uh, and sitting way- in another part of the of the room and everything. Yeah, 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 exactly. If people are to wear uh, 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 Orthodox Jewish women often wear wigs the way Muslim mm-hmm. women may wear a hijab, right? Right, uh, and and uh, you know humongous families, no birth control, yeah, um, and, and just it's just a variety of things. But to a person. 
always talk about some magnanimous gesture exactly. on the part of the it's, people at Chabad House. Exactly. They'll talk about how they get visited in the hospital. Yes. Before anybody even knows they're there. I know. It's like it's like uh, the Rebbe's got a hotline to the exactly. doctors, right? Exactly. I think so. <laughs> and, and how they'll take uh, uh, cooking classes there or they'll send their kids there. Exactly. I'm, I'm just... You know, you get in the conversation with with one of these people and you expect after the first 10 minutes that they want nothing to do with them. Then all of a sudden you find they do have something to to do do with with them. them. (laughs) Welcome to the Jewish world. (laughs) It's not binary thinking, is it? No, it isn't. (laughs) Can you comment on that? Um, Well, it fits me very much. I don't go on Sabbath because that's sometimes I'll go over there for morning minion because it's it's guys getting together i have a hard time worshiping when the women are behind a a curtain uh Mm. i don't dishonor them i i realized that uh you know you get this feeling like well the women are second class no they're not you know Mm -hmm. it's just a very much separate but equal yes but it's not how i choose to to live my life but i honor um the values they have, the fact that they will be every so often rabbi will call me up. Like when I was living in Aonia and saying, there's somebody in prison. Can you go and, uh, and see them, you know, almost everywhere you go around the world, there's a joke that, you know, there, when we finally sent that thing to uh, Pluto, uh, they were welcomed by the Chabad house (laughs) in Pluto. Uh, if, if you remember in Mumbai, the, when there was the terrorist, the, yes. the, the, it was the hotel and the Chabad house in Mumbai, so that travelers throughout the whole world, Jewish travelers can have a place where they can say their prayers, where they uh, can have kosher food, and there's these emissaries throughout the entire world uh, to take care of fellow Jews, and that means whether you're homeless or you need food, or you just need companionship, or whatever. And I'm assuming to to take on the garb of a, of a Hasid, mm-hmm. that is to say, to 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 grow the beard, to wear the black, right. and all of that. Uh, that is not a pressure that's put on people no. who go there. No, it, no, it's an individual decision. That yeah, and. As as they explain it, you know, there's a lot of rules and regulations they believe, but they're not pushing that on you. As you take it a step at a time, you come closer and closer, and the, and you know, um, to finding to finding your your Judaism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned the uh, the Sikh community, mm-hmm. and uh, that that sounds to me very similar. Uh, the people who are the most extremely pious, right. Sikhs, they, the men will have a turban, and right. you will also find turbaned women, mm. although it's, it's more rare. Okay. Uh, but you'll find the, the, the men with the turban who never cut their hair and, and grow a beard and, and follow certain more orthodox right. customs. But I also know Sikhs who look just like anybody else. Yeah. walking down the street, right. and they go to the Gudwara, and to the best of my understanding, nobody's pressuring them. As long as your head is covered when you're in the Gudwara, it doesn't right. have to be a turban. It right. could be a handkerchief. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly how it would be with Chabad. If you went to Chabad, 
they would expect men to cover their hair. Um, with women, um, you don't need, I shouldn't be speaking for them. I'm not sure if you need to have a scarf or not. I don't think so, but, but you'd have to have modest clothing. Yes. Yes, exactly. Is there, is there something, well, maybe it's Jewish theater. Mm -hmm. What, is there an event or, or something other than Israel that Mm -hmm. really brings every Jew together in Grand Rapids? Um, no, and we're trying to work on that because we're too small of a community. It's, it, it, it's having to grow immigration-wise, and here I probably, this is for the history majors, uh, <laughs> is that Temple Emanuel was the older one, and it was Germans coming over and becoming Hausmann, Meyer May, all of these people that were helped found Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. So now here they are. It's the turn of the century, and these Russians come over, you know, poor, don't know how to do the right custom and things like that. And so you ended up with two almost very different communities. Uh, The reform community, which was very much more assimilated, very German, very, you know, probably upper class, um, with these new immigrants. And now how do we bring community together? Um, And I think you know, through basically Jewish theater, through, uh, we have a film, Jewish film festival. Uh, there is, um, but but we have a United Jewish school now so that our, our religious schools, your Sunday school. Yep. Are, uh, are both congregations. Mm -hmm. Uh, So little by little, but we have different rules, you know, so that's (laughs) how kosher do you keep, you know? Sure, uh, sure. Yeah, it, people tend to forget that back in the early 20th century, ethnicity played such a huge part in how religion was expressed. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so what you're saying about the Germans and the Russians, right? Uh, I'm sure I could get a Catholic in here and talk about how St. Adalbert's was the Polish church. Mm-hmm. Our Lady of Sorrows was the Italian church, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. And certainly you were welcome, I guess. I wasn't around. <laughs> I, I guess that you were anybody was welcome, although I, I, I do remember. It was through a play in Jewish theater that I did. Okay. I did uh, a, a play, uh, oh God, this is a, at least a decade ago. Uh, and in it, when you were a teenager, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I played, I played a mob guy. It was typecasting. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, another mob type guy who was, uh, you know, I played an Italian and this other guy was, was, uh, Irish and he was also mobbed up. And he says to me, uh, something uh, uh, he lamented the fact that we, meaning the Irish, mm-hmm. no longer no longer made the Italians worship in the basement of St. Patrick's Cathedral. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, yeah. I, I mean, I never looked that up. Yeah. I took it at face value. Well, that it, it, it was in a play. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. had to be true. But that that makes a that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
So um, we're, we're coming down to the uh, wire, uh, Len, and I want to do what I did last week, which is uh, to allow you some, some space to talk about Jewish theater. Okay. Uh, last, last week, um, we talked about how you just closed Brill, and I saw the I saw the play, and it was brilliant. Oh, thank you. <laughs> sorry, I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> no, it was it was such a a great play for people such as myself. You know, I, I'm not sure how many people who are hearing us speak right now know that uh, I'm an old disc jockey. Mm. Mm-hmm. So uh, to to be able to see a play about, and you know, here's the thing. I've been on different stations and done different formats. I've done a big band format, and I've done an oldies format. So I know... The the both musics. You probably know the call some of the call letters she was talking about. Oh, and yeah. the and the personalities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I did. There, there's one part where she just. It's almost like a litany of mm-hmm. uh, of great radio stations from the early '60s and or, or late '50s and and some of the giant disc jockeys. Yes. Uh, and uh, it was it was a play about um, the transition in the Brill Building from uh, a big band. Uh, form uh, not format, but uh, the big band songwriters mm-hmm. traditioning into the rock and roll and right. pop, and really going from selling sheet music to selling records. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so what do we have coming up in the future? In January, we have um, Arena's Val, which is a, a Polish Catholic woman who's a, a maid in a Nazi officer's house and hides Jews there, and it's based on a true story. And then later in the season, I think it's last of May, beginning of June, is about an arthritic, it's seniors of the Sahara. They buy a bunch of little old ladies in a, in a, a senior citizen's place, go, I think it's to Israel or, or Egypt or someplace, get this little thing they get. And there's a genie trapped inside, but he's an old arthritic genie that now lives at the, the senior setting. And it's and it's absolutely for absolutely no other reason than to laugh. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to get much history out of that <laughs> or philosophy. Okay, that's okay. That's okay. That I, that that sounds to me. I mean, looking at your at your season, mm-hmm. having Brill, then the the one about um, the uh, the World War Two. And then this one with the genie. We kind of do a balance. Yeah, yeah. It it, it, it yeah. sounds like a, a nice a nice Jewish balance. And and you don't have to be Jewish to come to Jewish theater. And we keep having to mention that because people will go, I really wanted to see it, but I'm not Jewish. It's like, you know what? You go do out the men for Chinese food. Pants down at the door. Yeah, really. Check? Yeah, really. It's like you eat Chinese food. You eat Mexican food. You, you know. Well, why Jewish theater? Read the history of theater in America. Yeah. Well, and I may say that not only do you not have to be Jewish to to attend Jewish theater, but I have been in, in yes. casts where there were no Jews, Jews in the cast. We're a small community here yeah. in Grand Rapids. And and I know you have people on the board. Right. It's it's meant what it's meant to do is to show some Jewish stories written but with a universal appeal, right? And and I I think the 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 only common the only Jewish thread there I'm guessing are the playwrights, 
the, the playwrights. playwrights are Jewish. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if this last playwright's Jewish, but it's about the Brill building, which almost everybody in it is Jewish. It's almost a synagogue. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Well, Len, it's been great yeah. to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I'm Fred Stella. You're listening to Common Threads here on WGVU. Len Robinson was my guest. And why don't you join us next week right here on WGVU.